Welcome back to the Equipoise podcast, where in 10 minutes or less each week, we try to bring some balance to the table. Today's episode, A Time to Speak. One recent submission to the podcast was to discuss the idea of when to speak up and when to remain silent. How can we tell? What are the factors at play that would influence our decision one way or another? Today, I'd like to take a balanced look at this topic, starting with one of the most clear examples of equipoise in the Bible. It's found in a pair of practical but paradoxical proverbs, particularly in what we know today as Proverbs 26.4 and 26.5. The couplet reads as follows. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be just like him. Followed by what appears to be the exact opposite advice. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll go on thinking that he's right. Now, that's clearly my personal translation, but you'll find after perusing the abundance of good translations out there that it pretty much captures the gist of things. So, how do we decide which one to go with? When is, to quote another wisdom literature scroll, Ecclesiastes 3.7, the right time to speak, and when should we take full advantage of our right to remain silent? I'd like to approach this topic using a format used by reporters since 1913 called Six Honest Serving Men. That is, the six men known as who, what, where, when, why, and how. When it comes to wisdom and speaking, you've got to factor in all of these. And lest you doubt my credibility on the topic, please know that I've got tons of experience in opening my mouth and cramming my foot in there as deeply as possible by speaking out of turn. And I also have regrettably plenty of experience in not speaking up when I should have. It's imperative to note that my answers here are proverbial as well. I think they're generally good answers, but there's always going to be exceptions. So, let's begin. First, who. This first consideration is twofold, knowing who you are and who your audience is. The pair of proverbs I read at the outside of this episode deals with the second half of this one, identifying one's audience as a fool, but it doesn't talk about the first who. In short, the proverbs assume that the first who, the person answering the fool, is a wise person, or at least is trying to be. But what if you're not? Or what if you're a novice? Or what if you don't know the one to whom you're speaking? And so on. So I suppose the first thing that I'd say is that you need to know your place when you speak. For instance, I had to learn that if you're the youngest and most inexperienced pastor in the room, no matter how much you think you know, maybe talk the least and listen more instead. Or if you're the newest member in your organization or club or workplace or even church, maybe try to learn a little bit about the way things work before suggesting change or correcting the others there. Or if you're the single guy or girl, or if you're a young couple, maybe it's a good idea to refrain from doling out parenting or marital advice <laughs> from your deep wells of experience. Listen, I understand all too well the temptation to speak up when people around us are, in our minds, so clearly missing the mark, but I really think it's better to watch and learn for a good while before before speaking up most of the time. It could stop you from going way out of bounds with your words. Social media, by the way, has really opened the floodgates on this. Unqualified and well-meaning, but ignorant people saying what's on their mind, and it's not been for the better. As far as your audience, the second who, I think it helps to know to whom you are speaking. If you're talking to someone who's stubborn, you're going to have to navigate this differently than if you're talking to someone who is approachable and receptive. You can't talk to everyone the same way. You've got to know your audience. Okay, now the what. When determining the wisdom of speech, the issue of what we say is huge. First, we always speak the truth. But that doesn't mean we air our dirty laundry either. There's a balance. 
Also, when it comes to speaking truthfully, there's a great deal of wisdom in saying, I don't want to answer that, or I don't want to talk about that. When cornered, and it seems like the only way out is by being duplicitous or disingenuous, it's okay to say, no thanks, or say nothing at all. You do always have a choice. In addition to saying things that are true, there's a great verse that acts as a filter for speech, Philippians 4.8. That the content of our speech ought to also be honest, just, pure, lovely, good, virtuous, and praiseworthy is easily gleaned from this passage. Our speech should always be for the good of others and, to quote a proverb, fitly spoken. Now for the where. Simply put, there's a lot of conversations that are public that should never have been public. This is another area where social media has been detrimental to our habits of speech. Perhaps characteristic of this is that some people speak more or speak only when plenty of people are listening to them or reading their text in a group chat. They are performers, speaking to a group of people just for the sake of carrying a crowd and getting attention. This is not wise. Public platforms should be earned, not hijacked. Lastly on this, if after considering your own place and your audience and you still find you need to correct or rebuke someone or a few people, don't engage in what is called shotgun discipline, rebuffing a whole group of people just because one person or a few people may have missed the mark. Pastors are notorious for this. It's not wise. Keep it local. Now for the when, the crux of the conversation. When to speak. Well, I'd say that the first rule of thumb would be not at every opportunity. I have found, again from experience, that words are like gems. The rarer they are, the more valuable they're perceived to be, whether they're intrinsically valuable or not. People who talk too much will quickly find that their words are perceived as cheap, usually in the form of being ignored or neglected in some way. Also, it's important to note that even when we think we have to say something, we actually don't. It's like the person who chimes into every conversation, warranted or not, or like the person who says or posts no comment, even though they weren't asked for one. They just have to say something. This is not a good trait. I also recommend a general principle of conciseness and timeliness in one speech, if at all possible, especially given this current culture's clutched embrace of truncation and brevity. There's a reason this podcast is 10 minutes, for example. Knowing when to stop talking is just as important as knowing when to start. Now, on the other hand, there's times when someone should say something but doesn't. It's certainly less frequent than times when people shouldn't say something but do, but it's still a problem. So why is this? Sometimes it's general shyness, sometimes it's out of caution so as not to say too much, sometimes it's cowardice of some kind. So for those who say, I want to say something here and I think it's helpful and constructive and needful, but I don't know how or if it's appropriate or I'm afraid, I'd recommend the wisdom of channels. That is to say, there's usually a right and a proper and a wise channel through which to speak if you feel like you've got something to say, but you're not sure how to go about it. For instance, at work, it's probably the boss. And if you've got something to say about your boss that you don't want to take to him, naturally, there's often another boss. Not your coworkers, by the way. <laughs> Similarly, at church, if you have a problem with a process or a practice at the church, and it's not something that really falls in the spectrum of the one-to-one -one process outlined in Matthew 18, then go to the pastor, not the whole church, and so on. Channels are usually there to safeguard you from sinning or making a fool of yourself, and they can act as a bulwark for the shy or for those who are afraid of reprisal or antagonism of some kind. So as far as the when, I think a general principle here is to know yourself. If you're a gregarious person who talks a lot, you're probably better off curbing some of that. Or if you're shy and not prone to speaking, then I think you might benefit from stepping outside of your comfort zone to speak up more. People will like what you have to say more if you're not the type to say too much anyways. There's that gem rarity principle at play. Now the why. If it builds people up. 
if it corrects the fault, if it's needed, if it's warranted, not because you like the sound of your own voice, not because you're trying to get others to be more like you instead of more like Jesus, but rather out of a love for the truth, a love for the Lord, and a love for other people. Now, I do think there's a high degree of self-evidentiality to this, and that works well with the lack of time I have for the last point, which is how. Once you've determined the who, what, where, when, why behind your speech, which can take a while, and the superabundance of speech today likely indicates that these first five factors aren't being considered much, if at all, you've got to consider how you're going to say what's about to come out of your mouth. After all, if you have the right thing to say and the right place to say it and the right time and the right reason, but flop when it comes to delivery, you've lost everything. A lot hinges on the how. Succinctly, you might remember the thumper rule from the movie Bambi. If you can't say something nice, don't say it at all. Now, despite the fact that this quote kind of conflates nice with kind, I still think it's a great proverb, so I'm going to adapt it here. Whatever you say, even if it's a harsh and confrontational truth, say it kindly and in love, or do not say it at all. Also on this, don't beat around the bush. Circumlocution does no one any favors. Be direct and succinct in how you deliver what you're going to say. Also, consider that not every confrontation or correction needs to be oppositional or accusative. Instead of, I can't believe you didn't do this, or you need to do this better, it is wise to come alongside someone and say, this is a better way, and I think we should strive for this going forward. Lastly on this, tone says more than words typically do. A lot of good, profitable conversations have been derailed due to a lack of awareness of tone. So there you have it. But in the end, the greatest tip of all is simply to consider Christ. When he has something to say, watch how he said it. Notice to whom. Explore what he said and where he said it. Take note of when. Discover his why. I think that will help us all as we endeavor to employ wisdom in this arena of when to speak and, when it is our turn, how to do it as Christ would. Until next time, stay balanced. Thank you.